Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week, four to six of us get together and discuss a movie. At the end of the episode, we announce the movie for the following week. All movies are available from streaming services, either as part of your subscription or to rent. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Podcast. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined tonight by Brooke Merritt. Hello. Nathan McKinney. Hi there. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And we are discussing today the film A Separation, a 2011 Iranian film um, that I suggested. Um, but first, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching lately. Um Personally, I've been binging a lot of television uh, that I kind of fell asleep on. A couple of shows that I've been asleep on for a little bit. Um, I watched all three seasons of Atypical on Netflix, which I really enjoyed. And I watched um, the first few episodes of season seven of Ray Donovan. Um, That whole season is out, but I've been, uh, I'd taken a break from that show and I was just going to wait until I could watch it all in one go. Um, and my review for, for that is that so far season seven is way, way better than season six was. So, um, hopefully, hopefully it stays good because <laughs> that show is starting to become, starting to become Showtime's new Dexter. Uh Oh, wasn't it just we canceled? Mu- right. Didn't they just cancel Ray Donovan? Uh, that's, they probably did. I didn't see any news about it, but it yeah, I think last me. week, yeah, I'm pretty sure I re- I've never watched it, and I do watch Atypical, and I I love Atypical. It's the rare show about autism that I actually don't loathe. So, yeah, well that that and The Good Doctor I think are, are the only shows about autism that I've seen, or that have people with autism in them. Yeah, so. Atypical is actually pretty accurate. The rest are trash, but that's another story for another day. Yeah. Well, what are you guys watching? Nothing. No, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've been trying to catch up on a lot of Oscar stuff. Um, uh, just uh, mostly the um, best pictures, uh, and I think I've only got three more to watch out of the whole list from this last year. Um, re- most recently, just watched Parasite, um, and I enjoyed it. I yeah, I mean it was good. I like I like uh, Bong's. Uh, I'll just call him Bong because that's the only word I can remember that isn't part of his name. Um, but uh, you're for close obvious like reasons, that. yeah, um, I've, I liked a lot of his stuff. I, I haven't seen Mother, which I'd like to see. Um, but uh, I thought Parasite was good. It's a very interesting story um, um, and some twists and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm like, I'm glad that it won Best Picture. But I think I had a other favorite in mind for Best Picture, um, which, which was 1917. What? 1917. Mm. I just, man, in 1917 just rocked me emotionally. Like, I just sat in my seat and cried at the end of the movie. Um, it was just one of those ones that just really impacted me for some crazy reason. Um, but other than that, a lot of television, um, scattered stuff here and there. I'm trying to think of anything really that's been great. Um, the uh, Showtime show, um, Work in Progress, is really great. I have some friends that are a part of that and have been on it and writing for it. Um, one of my friends from LA is now writing on the second season. What's that um, about? It's about um, 
a woman who is a sort of a butch lesbian um, who has had issues with the, her sexuality her entire life and uh, essentially she has these almonds that she's counting down the days to where if she gets to the end of the days with the almonds and nothing has gotten better, then she's going to kill herself. And then she meets someone. And in the process of that, there's a lot of other stuff that happens. Um, but it's very witty and I'd love that it, it addresses a lot of, um, the sexual identification issues and questions and things like that. Um, and, uh, it's, it's very fun and smart and it's, the episodes seem to just flow really well and they, and they are, they're good. Um, so it's been fun to watch that on Showtime. I feel like Showtime's coming back a lot with their most recent, uh, lineups. Like I just got into kidding. Um, and then there was something else on Showtime. I think I watched recently too, but I was really happy that Showtime is sort of, sort of like, um, rejuvenating itself in terms of its content. I actually have watched all of Work in Progress, and it's great. I agree with you. It's brilliant in that it's got such a great humor, but it also has a lot of really good emotional depth to it. And she's such a flawed character, but it's just played so well. Um, Just a great, great show. Probably one of my favorites of the past year. And I watched the first season of Kidding, and uh, I like it. Um, I will I will continue to watch it. It's one of those shows that I have to be in the right mood to watch, and it's not something that I think I can really recommend very often because um, mm. the tone is so strange. <laughs> yeah. Like, I gave up a, on it. It is a dark-as-hell comedy, yeah. uh, but that's also like an uplifting drama occasionally, and you never know episode to episode, but it's just... Yeah, it's tonally, it's so bizarre um, that, you know, it's not like something um, like uh, Parasite, which um, I would say I could recommend that movie to just about anyone to watch. So, yeah. Well, for me, uh, I actually went on a cruise and was was hoping, honestly, with all that time on the boat, I thought we would have some time to catch up on movies. The internet um, really doesn't the only work. one that's <laughs> well, but you have access to movies on the boat. That's kind of one of the things oh, okay. you can do when you're on, at sea. But really, the only one that really stuck out was uh, having a chance to revisit Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and mm-hmm. it was better for me the second time than it was the first time. So that's a good sign that it's actually a much better movie than I was thinking. So that's cool. Uh, that's my, cool. Might might even be one of the better Quentin Tarantino movies in general. I, I think what kind of surprised me about it the second time through was, at least through the first half of it, how much it reminded me of American Graffiti. Hmm. Um, it's all about nighttime driving around cars, listening to radios, random conversations, and, and actually it kind of has a similar feel to it. Um, a lot of guys just talking to each other. Um, so I that... That was kind of a fun thing for me. Other than that, I've really been watching a lot of television, just trying to kind of catch up on some things. And uh, so I've been trying to work my way through the second season of Succession. Uh, I have never actually watched all of Cheers, and I'm I'm still kicking myself for that. So I'm still working my way through that. Uh, Still quite haven't gotten out of the Shelly Long years, but I'm working on it. It's 11 uh, seasons, recently. Oh, it'll get there. It'll get there. I usually down about seven or eight episodes in a sitting so it's all good those guys do 11 <laughs> seasons of everything they did 11 yeah. seasons of cheers then 11 seasons of frazier and then 11 seasons of modern family 
Well, I've seen most of Frasier, so I know kind of how that one goes. But yeah. I, like the Rebecca years of Cheers are pretty much a myth to me. I have no idea. So, uh, but then the other thing, I, I, I guess you could say I kind of wasted my time on, but it wasn't a waste because I, I really truly enjoyed it. For the second time in probably three years, I finished uh, slamming through all the Office, the American Office. It's it's really a great series. Yeah, so yeah. I never got I into that, that on. one. I, I turn that on pretty much every night to fall asleep to. I'm like, it's my go-to. <laughs> I, I just love it. Yeah. Well, and I think what caught me off guard on this time around was how good the last season actually is. Um, there, you know, this the the penultimate season had all those growing pains from Steve Carell leaving the cast and whatnot, and they went through all. You know, the hardest part about that whole last two seasons is the fact that Andy Bernard is just kind of a weird character to begin with and then he's so out of it and then back in it and then back out of it it's like i almost wish they'd just written him completely off early on and let the cast do what they do um but he's one it, of those it's a great show hats on a hat kind of characters yeah well he went off the actor had to go off and do movies and it just didn't write well into the story yeah yeah, yeah i uh my my issue with the american office is that I watched the British office like contemporarily, like while it was on. And then I watched like the first, maybe first season. I don't know if I made it all the way through the first season of the American office. And as far as I can tell, everyone kind of has realized that the first season of the office was a mistake that they were trying too hard to copy the tone. They were like trying way too hard to make it the British office and it just didn't work. And that once they sort of let go of that and made it their own show that they, they had something better going. Well, when you have to take the same kind of story and spread it out across a lot longer yes. number of episodes, yes. yeah, you, yeah. you kind of have to make characters who are a little bit more sympathetic um, yeah, I think that was yeah. part of the tra- challenge because Michael Scott's character couldn't be that awful for that long a time. Right, exactly. A watchable show. Exactly. Yeah, and he was. I mean, they were trying to make him David Brent Part Two, and it just wasn't. It wasn't working, and so I, I'd never watched past that point. And I also have kind of a like, I don't know, like low grade like. The Office is like Friends is like it's just one of those like mainstream shows that. Like, I don't need to see that. You know, it's fine that it's everybody's favorite show. I That's fine. <laughs> I, I don't need it in my life that much. So, <laughs> um, so that's, that's everybody, right? We got through all that. Yeah, I watched. Nope, you skipped me. You skipped me. <laughs> <laughs> the girl is left behind again. So um, not that I have separation. anything to bring to the table. <laughs> it's always Brooke chimed in, but just she didn't really. Because I know get... you don't like my my stuff most of the time. It's fine. No, I, I was like actually just going to say though, because um, it's funny that Nathan mentioned rewatching The Office because that was the main thing I was going to say I've been doing because. Um, There is an episode-by-episode podcast by Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey breaking down every episode. Um, They were both in the cast, so I've been re-watching and listening as they go along with the podcast. But um, I don't see movies in the theater. that's what triggered our rewatch, too. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's it's a great (laughs) podcast. It's great fun. Mm -hmm. Who would watch a whole TV show and and do a podcast per episode about it? (laughs) 
That sounds ridiculous. People who hate themselves. Yeah. No, uh, there's a West Wing one like that as well, with like members of the cast that do a podcast episode on every uh, every episode of it. So that's well. Cool. Now there's a talk with Scrubs doing that. Supposedly Zach Braff is in talks to maybe do the same thing with Scrubs, and that one I would also. Uh, oh man. To. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love me some Scrubs. I feel like we are. Um, cast members of Dexter after having done what we've done. So it makes sense for us. I was explaining blood spatter to somebody the other day and they like called me on it. They were like, okay, Dexter, like Dexter expert. Yeah. There's like some, but you barbecue did learn so- something. Yeah. There was like some barbecue sauce or something on the, on the ceiling of this bathroom. And my friend came out and she was like, can you, tell me if that's really blood on the top of the ceiling there like how it got there and i was like no it looks too saucy and syrupy to be blood it's not in a pattern that makes any sense it looks like somebody had like a brush or a basting brush or something and they just kind of like went like that and flung it and it went up there so uh it's not blood don't worry about it so. <laughs> exactly i recommended the movie a separation and before i talk about kind of why I did that or what I thought about it because it was something that I'd seen before. Uh, what did you guys think of it? Let's let the girl go first. Yeah, I know. I was <laughs> oh, waiting for Brooke. Girl, Is yeah. there a girl <laughs> on this show? I don't remember casting anyone to yeah. girl on this show. I don't know. The internet oh. thinks I shouldn't be here according to all of our reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, my thoughts on the film. Uh, I thought it was excellent. Um, back to that. That's what we're here for, after all. No, I um, so I typically try to see all of the Best Picture nominees and whatever wins Best uh, Foreign Language Film, which is now known as International Film, but major Academy Awards geek. I And I had not seen A Separation, which surprised me. I somehow missed that one, but I remember when it won, and I remember it being the first Iranian film to win, and uh, just somehow I had missed it. But... Um, uh, as my cohorts know, I've been visually impaired, so of course it was a subtitled film, one I can't see. So I wasn't sure how I would make it through it, um, but I it was so good that I pushed through migraine and all. Um, yeah, just totally not what I expected it to be. Uh, completely brilliant, deserving of its ranking as one of the best films of all time. Yeah. Well, I loved it. I this is I think the fourth movie I've seen by this director, uh, or maybe a third. The fourth being the one that Antonio Banderas was in this last year that was so good. Um, I think what I love about this movie and the films by this guy in general, and why I love that whole international category on the Academy Awards in the first place, is is people outside of the United States tell stories in a different way. And this is a really good example of that. It's it's a story that could have happened anywhere. I mean, there's there's some there's some cultural things that are specific to this movie and where they are, but in general, it's it's a story that could have been almost anywhere. Um, but the tone, the way it's told, the the way the stress is ratcheted up through it, I just think is is really well done, and uh, it's really pretty watchable considering how frankly depressing a subject actually is, but. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I did not know that it had won an award. Uh, and I think I even said something to my wife in the tone of, well, it's a good thing it didn't win an award. Um, 
which makes me sound like an idiot. Um, I started watching it and I was like, oh my God. Um, I, I went in with no, uh, no expectations and I will say that I was turned. I actually did really enjoy it. Um, I, uh, I, at first I was a little, I was dreading it a little bit and, and I'm glad I watched it. I, I did enjoy the story. I thought it took on a lot of emotional weight and I thought it was sort of a fun, not fun in a way that like emotionally, but like a fun way to show how, um, sort of like how, if one thing happens, another thing happens, another thing happens, another thing happens. And then yet also the technique of, uh, sort of not showing us certain things in the film and then relating back to those things and being like oh but i thought i saw it this way but did you see it this way but i didn't see it this way it was there was so much of it that i finally when i caught up to it and really got into it i was like this is much 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 better than i thought it was going to be so thank you for uh, suggesting it because it is a film that i'm glad that i saw well good um yeah that i mean that's one of the things i mean this is why this is you know my first suggestion, <laughs> my first real suggestion. <laughs> um, I was made aware of this film in 2012. Um, it came out in 2011 and it was on a uh, list of Roger Ebert's 20 favorite films of the year. And I believe it was the last uh, list like that, that he made before he died. Um, but he wasn't really in the habit of making lists anyway. He kind of hated doing, top list or whatever and then they weren't ranked um i think they were just in alphabetical order or something and a separation um is first on that um i did a blog post where i watched all 20 of them and and talked about all of them um but i i was just completely captivated by this movie the way that it ratchets up tension um the fact that it the whole plot hinges on a single um, a single thing, just this this one single moment that we don't see, but we just hear from everyone's perspective, and it, everyone's perspective is a little different. Um, it, 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 I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's one that um, I turned around and, and uh, recommended to a lot of people. It was really hard to watch it in 2012 because it wasn't available anywhere. Um, now thankfully it's on Netflix, but it was really hard to track down, um, back then. And, um, I would say that, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's funny that, you know, we've been talking about, um, Parasite recently because it won best picture, but this film actually reminds me a bit of Parasite, um, with that whole, it's just the tension just keeps building and building and building and it's going in a direction that you that you expect one thing and then a whole different movie happens um that opening scene where they're like fighting for a divorce and they're fighting for custody of the daughter um like you think that's going to be the drama of the film and in a lot of ways it is like it, it's still the central um through line of the movie but what it's about is this just kind of kernel of, you know, did he push her? Did he not push her? Is he a liar? Is he an honorable man? Is he telling his daughter the truth? And I think too, it, it in that regard, it also sheds light on the culture of Iran and the culture of the Muslim people. 
and 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 what they what they deal with on a day to day basis and how they interact with each other. I thought that that was fascinating. I felt like the cultural aspect of it really took me in. Um, and again, something similar to, I felt the same way with the whole, like, I was like, oh, this feels very like much like Parasite in a lot of ways, different in maybe it's like tone and story, obviously, but, um, but there were still a lot of interesting ideas there. Um, especially in terms of us being American and knowing American culture so well, obviously, but seeing how they deal, like the whole court system is fascinating to me now in how they deal with cases in Tehran. I was just blown mm-hmm. away. I was like, it, it's it's so interesting compared to our justice system. It's just like, I mean, we could probably talk about it for hours it, it, based off of the little information that we got about what was happening in this film. I thought it kind of told itself like a parable um, more than a lot of movies that I think are maybe even intended to in some cases. But the, you know, the basic main characters just felt like parable type characters and the interactions the 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 just the through line of the story of like how the judge had to make a decision and and all those things that kind of interacted with each other uh felt like a parable to me yeah and it is um like kind of that butterfly effect thing of this decision leads to this decision leads to this action leads to this accident leads to this like everything is just this dominoes falling over throughout the whole thing. And it starts with uh, Simon wanting to take the daughter to, or out of the country basically. And the father not wanting to leave because he has to take care of his, his own father. Um, And so they sort, they, they separate, which is, it turns out that she didn't really leave the country. She just goes and hides, but the daughter tells on her right away. So there's like never any real threat of that happening. So, but that sets in motion the need for somebody to care for the guy and the incident that occurs as a result of him being left alone with um, the caregiver woman. I think the part that kind of felt like a parable to me was more of like the balance of do two wrongs kind of balance each Mm. other out. Can you, you know, so you've got here a death on one side and here or a near death on another. And what do you, how do you, it asks you that question to some degree, because you're, you're kind of left with a, a vague answer okay, so which which side was worse or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, and you've seen the movie more than huh. once, right? This was my second time. Okay. Yeah, so I actually saw it in the theater the first time. They played it here at the Tivoli. Go ahead, Brooke. Oh, no, I was just going to say that's kind of going along with that, you know, and, and kind of the comp- uh, comparison to Parasite. You know, no one is really clearly villainized, but also no one's a clear hero. There's no one you're really rooting against, no one to really root for. It's very gray. Um, it's it's so tense. There's so much tension about, you know, what, what really happened. What are the residual effects going to be of this? Of course, most of all, the residual effects are going to fall on on their daughter in the long run. But um, just it's it's very interesting. Um, the play of you really you really can't root for or against anyone. Yeah, that is absolutely true. And I, I think my, um, m- my experience with watching it again for the podcast, I'd, I'd seen it at least twice um, in 2012. 
Um, but watching it again for the podcast, I started to feel like um, about the time that the the two men are in court, you know, arguing in front of the interrogator, the judge, and there's like secrets that the that the secrets that the father knows and the uh, the caregiver know that the husband of the caregiver doesn't know. And, you know, there's all of that, the complicated part of it there. But there's this, for me, watching it the second time, or the, you know, watching it again, it felt like, it, it as far as, like, who's the hero, who's the villain, it feels to me like if the father would just stop being such a stubborn asshole about everything this could have been resolved. There's so many points where he could have let it, let it go and let it just work out and be okay. But he screws I think it you up. You could say that about all of them though. Wouldn't you about all four characters? Right. Exactly. I think you can, I think you can, but I, but I especially felt this past time watching it that I think he was the most, um, he he was the least sort of uh, traumatized, I would say, by the whole thing. Uh- well, so this time when I watched it, I I noticed how the movie kind of pits you a little bit against um, the other father, the father of the pregnant mm-hmm. woman, and then at the end, it kind of pulls the rug out from under you with the knowledge that he didn't know the whole story from the get go. Yes. So, I mean, it's, it's like if this lie by this person hadn't been told, then this person wouldn't have come off like a total jerk. Yeah. The care, and the caregiver kind of play that throughout the whole four characters. Yeah. The caregiver won't tell her husband everything. And that becomes a huge problem. And that's why in that, that final scene with them where he goes to pay the money and, the the husband of the caregiver is like, well, of course she'll swear on the Torah. It's what happened, or on the Quran. It's what happened, and it's like, no, she won't. And on the other side, the other couple didn't have a conversation because I don't think Simon felt that it was her place to tell Nadir that uh, the caregiver doesn't really think that he caused the the miscarriage right because they have that conversation the two women have the conversation where they're like you know well actually it was because i was out chasing the the alzheimer's guy around yeah. and i got hit by a car which we don't see but you can't tell my husband we don't see that either yeah, yeah. and that's <laughs> and that's the only time in the movie where a scene is playing out and we just cut to something else. It's the only yeah. smash cut in the whole movie. And it's such an important, like they cut from that straight into foosball. Yeah. The, the fall on the steps is almost like that. We get a little bit. We see her yeah. shoved out the door. Definitely not. I don't know. I don't it's think it's important that it, we don't know for sure what happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We see yeah. her get pushed. We see her getting up, but we don't see right. the in between to know. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it didn't it, like it definitely i i think too because of the i was kind of on the deer side because i was like yeah but from my perspective of how they shot it or it was shown to the audience yes he was being aggressive but not enough to put her where she was when we see her getting up and then they talk exactly. about the garbage and they talk about the the wet floor because he even mentions that the, the stairs are wet because they mop them and all this stuff. And it's like, I was like, something seems up here. And then, they, of course, they talk about how there might be abuse at, at the home with the little girl. And she's like, remember how you did the dad was punching the mom or whatever. And so, like, there's a lot of hearsay and things that are just kind of like around it but you're right dale that one smash cut is so vitally important and then this other one that's not a smash cut per se but is um carefully edited so that it doesn't show you exactly how she fell is also very important yeah you see the door close and then you see her at the bottom of the stairs and that's that's all of it um it's also interesting um i think watching it more than more than once to look at um, how many times she actually interacts or, or, or how many times the caregiver comes to the house um, before things happen. Because in, in my mind, like before I rewatched everything again, it was like, oh yeah, this all happened like in one afternoon. Like this was all just one comedy of errors. Like, no, that's not what happened. She comes the first time to talk about the job and what it is. She comes the second time to actually do the job and the guy pees his pants and that's a whole ordeal. She has to get permission to help him out. And then she tells him, I'm not sure I can do this anymore and recommends the husband. Then the husband doesn't show up. So she has to show up. And that's that third time that she comes that her daughter dumps the garbage all over the stairs. And then that's how the guy gets out and ends up in traffic. And so it's that third time. So by the time she's actually cleaning the stairs, she's rescued him. She's gotten hit by the car and she's having trouble, you know, already. She hasn't had the miscarriage yet, but she has it later that night. And then, yeah, like the teacher tries to trump up abuse charges. And then the teacher figures out that Nadir really did overhear what they were saying and (laughs) takes her, you know, revokes her word her testimony yeah the um the there was the that little bit of in the editing not knowing night or day so to speak and so it does seem to run together um i i felt like i was able to dissect it a little bit more and kind of understand how many days it had been he does mention it at some point when the judge asks how long she had been working or uh you know he says like like three or four days or something like that so we kind of do get that from the from the deer but at the same time um yeah you can you can definitely watch it and if you're not paying close attention get very confused by it all how it's happening and like when she's uh going to see the doctor and what day that is and how long it's been. Cause there's other physical work that she does that doesn't involve the father where she's like grabbing the rug. Um, yeah. You know, and like, that's, that's something that's very physical. And even when I, I didn't, I too also, that's funny. I totally the rug, really did. The rug is right before the daughter drops the stuff down the yeah. stairs. Yeah, exactly. And I, I totally forgot she was pregnant. I was like, for a hot second, I was, I was like, I thought they mentioned something about her being pregnant, but she doesn't seem pregnant, and now she's doing this physical labor as a pregnant woman. I'm, it feels like that's just too much, and so I, w- I too was confused. I like, if I was in that situation as Nadir, I would have been like, 
yeah, I overheard it, but at the time, I forgot. Like, I just, I totally was on. Yeah. So I guess I really kind of did side with Nadir for most of this film. Um, it, it's still tough because of, of, of a lot of stuff, but I think that was well, the character. Yeah, and, I, the, I really, and their initial yeah. reaction of hearing the news that she had this miscarriage is that they rush to the hospital to see if there's anything they can do. And that's that's their genuine reaction, you know. So they're not, they're, you know, neither Nadir or Simon are evil people, and it's just it, it just doesn't strike him as correct that, like, there's there's no way he could have pushed her down the stairs. They have that whole scene later where the police come over and they try yeah. to demonstrate that you can't push someone down the stairs from here, and then. She's waffling so because did, the husband's there, so she won't really tell the truth in front of the husband. She's like, well, I don't remember. Maybe I got dizzy. I don't know. I was washing the stairs earlier. Well, and see, and that whole so, part of it could villainize her very easily, but then that's where it comes right. into, you know, the social commentary is so, um, it's not, you're not getting beat over the head with it. It's very subtle, but it's very clear. She's doing it because culturally she's protecting herself, you know, so you can't be angry with her for her lies just like you can't so easily villainize Nadir because look at all that he's got going on and he came in and found his father the way he did I can understand why that would set him off and you know there's just no easy clear I hate that guy I hate that woman or why did she do that it all makes sense their choices make sense right or wrong so the one thing that kind of I that stuck out to me though was the interactions between Nader I don't know if, you have, if that's how you say his name, uh, and his daughter, and how he kind of comes close to telling her to lie for him, doesn't quite really tell her that, but then puts her in that position where his fate is in her hands, and she kind of has to do like a, a sort of a lie of omission to some degree. What did you guys think about that? Yeah, I thought it was an interesting um, scene for sure, uh, simply because, uh, yeah, I, I did expect him to... It, 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 it looked like it crossed his mind and for a hot second. He was like, because she's like, is she here? Go get her. And she's like, okay. So he went out. He goes out and he's like, hey, the judge has a question for you. And he, and she's like, what about? And he's like, um, I don't know. Just go in and talk to him. Like he clearly could have done something to be like, hey, the judge is going to ask you this question. Please, will you respond this way? But instead he puts it into her hands and sort of gives her the option to be like, but then she goes in and says, you haven't asked me a question yet. And the judge sort of like leads the questioning in a way where she can kind of lie without lying. Like she definitely lies, but almost like not. It's like she didn't really lie, you know? Yeah. I don't know. yeah. We expect that we expect at this point that Nadir will coach her on what to say. And he very specifically doesn't. But. What is, I, th- I think, what's interesting about that beyond the fact that she just goes in and lies for him anyway, I think there's a lot of, there's a, there's a pretty major theme, I think, throughout the movie of inferred communication where, like, she, uh, Terme, who's the daughter, she knows a lot about what's going on. She's, she knows what's up and she knows what her father needs and what he expects of her. And she wants to protect him. So she doesn't need to be coached. She goes in and she, she does that. Like, she's not going to like, 
it, it, even if it's lying, like she's going to protect her father over telling the absolute truth of what she knows. And there's a lot of that in this movie. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of what the caretaker's dilemma is, is that, you know, she can be more honest on most subjects with Simon than she can with her own husband. And so they are trying to infer from one another what to do. And, and they're always getting it, getting it wrong. Well, I, th- I find it kind of interesting that how much of this could have been settled really easily if, if the judge had just talked to both of the two kids in the first place, because they seem to keep coming up, especially the, the kid of the caretaker, right? He, they just kept coming back to that kid and like, Oh, well, such and such was actually what happened. And everybody was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. My, my absolute favorite shot of the whole movie is the last shot of that little girl they they walk past her and she just gives this really mean look to Nadir. Mm-hmm. It's just so great. She's just, mm. yeah, <laughs> so great. Um, and then of course, uh, the other thing that I thought was really clever. I mean, the movie is one of these things where, you know, I think to Zach's point about like it, not clicking right off the bat, you know, I was invested in the movie from the beginning, but I felt like it just it, it got way more interesting every every passing minute. The the story became bigger and it came about something else and 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 grew into something. Um, the ending is also just a masterpiece. It's just so clever where she tells her parents to leave the courtroom so she can tell the judge her decision. And we, as the audience don't get to know what her decision is. Yeah. And they also make you sit through the credits and she's in there for a while. Technically, if you yeah. think about it and you still never get a decision and yeah, it's she's like, there for what, like three and a half minutes. What are they talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I also felt was sort of like, uh, again, um, for those who have seen Parasite, there's, you know, there's there's interpretation there, um, this film and that film, which is why I keep making the comparison to it in terms of just how good it is in storytelling. Um, yeah. Because you have, to, you have to make those assumptions on your own, and you might not agree with somebody else, but the thing is, is that you'll never know, probably, like, unless the director comes out and says, oh, yeah, this was the the choice or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I feel like um I mean, I, I think there's a number of ways to interpret it. I think if you wanted to interpret the um the final scene as it's staged, um first of all, the final the the credit scene where they're sitting across the room from each other um, Simon is on the other side of a doorway and, and is mostly obscured and Nadir is kind of front and center frame. Um, the daughter has consistently chosen him and I feel like that's what they're telling you is happening, but that's a, I, just I my interpretation. So mm. Yeah, I think so too. That's kind of yeah. how I felt. Yeah. Uh, again, just because it's the whole situation of like when Nadir was saying, if you had, if you had never left, this would have never happened. And I think like even the daughter, to some degree, kind of errs on that side. She's well, not her, happy about it, but 
Yeah. Her her line is that she knew that if she didn't leave her dad, that Simon wouldn't leave the country because she wouldn't leave without her daughter. Yeah. And so he was taking the most likely position to keep them together, basically. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, even though they're divorced, she'll probably still make that decision and that will keep Simon in Iran and they'll both end up in her life. So but again, yeah. that the the whole like who she picks is is open to interpretation. That's just mine. Yeah, I think I'm I and on that similar side where I felt kind of the same way, but it was such a an emotional moment, very heavy, um, and especially with the way that again, like like that justice system is so interesting. The judge being like, "If you're not ready, come back later." It, or, did you choose? Are you ready? It, like just like bantering the girl, <laughs> and she's like, "No, I'm ready." I just do I have to do it right here in front of them? Like she's just like Like can I have a second maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was almost like the court system was like designed to let the story play itself out so that they didn't necessarily have to convict wrongly. Like they didn't have all the facts, so like go live some more life. Come back. Yeah. Then we'll make your decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> IMDB uh lists the the guy that we're all calling the judge as interrogator. And Mm. yeah, I think the way their system works is like, he's sort of a combination of the prosecutor, the defense and the judge. And it's up to him to like work out the agreement and, and do all the stuff that he's supposed to do in the opening shot of the movie where the camera is basically where the interrogator sits we hear him basically say like, here's what it would take for you to get a divorce, a legal divorce. Um, and you've not many of met any of those criteria. So leave or stay. It doesn't matter to me, but you're not getting divorced today. Please sign here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I would like to point out just how well, uh, the the acting is like how great it is like i and i i think that maybe just a testament to the filmmaking of uh, other countries and and their ability to tell such uh in-depth stories um i thought i mean I, personally i i'll say that after i just watched again i'm going to compare the two because it's the two most recent but parasites acting to a separations acting i felt like a separations acting was above and beyond I, it felt so real. It yeah. felt like you're in, I mean, you are in Tehran, uh, but like just the way that they carry themselves. And I was checking out the IMDb and the guy who plays the dad of the caretaker, Hojat, um, it says in this part of a trivia that the part where he smashes his head into the door when he's talking to the judge was improvised. Um, he did it out of just pure passion of the character in yeah. the moment. And it and he didn't he dented the door and actually hurt his head, and it's just like that kind of stuff where you know you don't necessarily get that a lot of times out of other people's performances, and I thought that the I thought the acting was just phenomenal all around, which is like sometimes I can get a little when it's like that um, these uh, the international films I can get a little pulled away from it because I'm trying to take in so much. 
but I think like uh, as I watched the film more and more, I was more uh, connected to the acting, and I was like, I was like, how is this not real? Like it felt yeah. so real to me. No, I I thought the same thing. Oh no, I was just saying I thought the same thing that it's just it's it's so pure and so genuine and so real. You feel like you're watching almost like a documentary, and it's not acting. It's just existing and being these characters. It was phenomenal performances. Watching when I watched it at first, I kept trying to find like the the main character, the audience surrogate, um, who's arguably the daughter. Like arguably, this is her story. Um, but, um, so I was like kind of stuck. Like at first I thought, well, this is going to be about Simon. And then it's like, no, it like Nadir is in most of the movie and Simmons kind of gone for most of the movie. Um, and so I, I, I never really latched on to a performance the first time I watched it. I just thought it was all very, very solid and very well done. Um, subsequent viewings has made me really appreciate the actress that plays the caretaker. She is phenomenal in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's all expressions on her face and, you know, just that the triangle and how she puts her scarf on and like every, she conveys everything through, through movement and expression. And it's just really impressive. That that's, you know, the mentioning the scarf thing, that's like a, a totem for her. Like you can, yeah. you can kind of almost tell exactly what she's thinking every time she puts that scarf on and and folds and does that whole motion. It's it's very, it's like almost uh, written across her face, so to speak. You know, um, yeah, it, yeah. There's like a compulsion that she does. She, she, you know, she does it, and I'm sure, yeah, people that do that that regularly have that. But you can see, you can see what she's feeling when she does it. Just yeah. based on how she does at that particular time. Yeah, especially like when we see her on the bus when she faints. Um, you know, like that was an interesting moment. Also, I love that moment because that moment to me, and I mean, you know, this is 2011. Uh, presumably, it takes place in around 2010, 2011. But that moment to me is such a clear significance of the difference of culture. Um Something like that happens in the United States, especially in like a bigger city like New York or L.A. or something like that. I feel like people are so less inclined to help or less inclined to like care. And immediately all of the women on the bus were like, let me help you sit down, take care of yourself. You know, like they really were immersed in it together. And I'm not saying that Americans are all salty and and, and rude, but I, you know, just having lived in two major cities just feel like sometimes a lot of that kind of stuff can go overlooked and to see that cultural significance of that in that one scene was like it was so nice you know i think it it also contextualizes it a little bit more that it's not just her on the bus having a dizzy spell it's her on the bus having a dizzy spell with a young girl like she has her daughter with her and i think that amps up the empathy from everybody around her that like yeah. she's obviously in charge of this little girl and she's not okay we've yeah. got to jump and in that, and that's when she's on her way to take care of the dad the day after she was hit by the car yeah 
So that too is like she had pains the night before. Now she's the next morning. She's we think she's probably dizzy because she's tired or because of this thing or that thing. We have no idea. The reason that she's probably dizzy is because she's just had a miscarriage, and she's in the process of having one. Yeah, because she rescues him from debtor's prison, um, and then goes goes to the hospital and has the miscarriage there. So yeah, and he's out. Like that's the first time we see him is when. when Nadir and Simon arrive um, and he's outside and they end up having that shoving match and security kicks him out. Yeah. Well, when he headbutts uh, Nadir, oh man, what a scene. And Nadir is just so, always so composed. The character himself, you know, just very chill. Even the judge talks about that, you know, and he's, and the, and uh, Hojat says, you know, I'm sorry that I can't, uh, speak like this guy can, mm-hmm. you know. Use my words to make things better. I'm, I'm hot headed. I'm ill tempered. Um, this is just who I am. I'm so, you know. Like, yeah, and I that's can't what I was him. saying before too about like, you know, it's not necessarily like a class thing um, between the two of them. But I feel mm-hmm. like Nadir isn't as traumatized as everyone else in in the situation he's not as traumatized as the caretaker or the husband of the caretaker and so like he has these opportunities to just rise above it you know there's there's an opportunity in court where he can just like drop the charges against the husband and he doesn't and then he can just pay the money that he agreed to pay without making her swear on the quran but he doesn't and it's like, yeah, he he's keeping it together because he's not as far gone. He's not as stressed out. He's not as freaked by everything. Yeah. Um, Just the moment where he finds his father tied to a bed. That's like one of the only few moments we see him sort of lose his shit. Yeah. And I think it's just a question of, you know, he has composure, but he also has financial stability you know he's not in and out of debtor's prison he's not being chased by creditors so he's 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 in a better not a class but he's in a, he's in a better status than the other characters in the movie and he he just can't quite help himself um to just forget and forgive kind of thing Wow, well, i feel like we've all been there before to some degree <laughs> oh yeah hubris is a real thing yeah, I know. I've had that where I'm just like, I'm not gonna let this down. I'm, I'm, I'm the right point of view here. Like this is, this is not fair to me. Yeah, but yeah, the hubris of it all. Yeah, just, this phenomenal all around though. Their acting was watching them interact with one another, and everything was really, really good. So, um, who would you recommend this movie to, or what other movies? We, we've talked about Parasite quite a bit, so I guess that's that horse is probably beaten. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, who would you recommend this movie to? Brooke, anybody uh, come to mind? <laughs> that's, a, that's a tricky question. Come on, I mean, Brooke. <laughs> I complained when you skipped me. Now I have nothing to say. No, I don't. <laughs> but it is funny, actually, though. I, I watched it today, and my uh, my younger brother Tony and I talk movies all the time. He's my uh, 
protege since he's my younger brother, but we've always been really into movies. So I did um, text him after I watched it, and he said he had actually watched it this week. And um, for some reason, oddly enough, he had just watched it this week. And oh, that's crazy. Because I was going, yeah, isn't it weird? And I was going to recommend it to him. He's like, nope, I just watched it. And he's now trying to watch all of the uh, filmmakers' other movies this week as well. So that's, that's who I would recommend it to, but he had just watched it. So. That's go. a lot of movies. It is. He's been busy. Well, this was his um, fifth, you, I think, a separation. Oh. I thought no, so, it's, yes. It's like There's more than that, huh? Something. Oh, wow. He, he has a lot more uh, in his native country before he kind of broke through. Okay. Yeah. So the other ones that I've seen by him are... Um, it's about Ellie, I think, is one of them. Uh, the Salesman and his uh, fifth, Everybody Knows. His fifth directing, not his fifth writing. I have okay. seen The Salesman, and it was excellent. Um, salesman, not as I think this is better, but I did really like The Salesman. He definitely has a, a type of movie. Like, all his movies have the same, like, steady ratchet of tension and kind of ambiguous storytelling. In this kind of calm over the entire story that is, you know, it's when I say it's calm, like the drama is not like over the top. It's very understated. Yeah. But there's a lot of tension behind it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I did see The Salesman. I, I was trying to remember what that movie was. That's the one where they are doing the play Death of a Salesman, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I've seen that one too. Really good. Mm-hmm. I think it also won the best picture or best uh, international film uh, Oscar. Yeah, and it's that one's free on uh, Prime right now. There's um, to say other similar movies. I'm trying to think of some that I I kind of connect to that are not Parasite. Obviously, um, I was thinking like kind of like the Squid and the Whale. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen the Squid and the Whale. Uh, Jeff yes. Daniels, um, and I, you know, I thought I think that one's one of those. Again, it's like sort of circumstantial. Like this happens, then this happens, and this happens, and this causes this thing to happen, and you know, so, and also again, they're going through the family's going through like a hard times with separations and things like that, um, which uh, you know has an effect on the kids and everything. Um, so I think that's some, like, something similar, which I also saw way back when it came out um, and really, really liked. And I thought like, I think that was probably one of the earlier movies I found to be sort of an independent film that I enjoyed. Like, cause I didn't used to watch any independent films at all. And I mean, I still like big budget studio flicks and stuff like that, but I've gotten so much more into enjoying independent films and, and small budget features and things like that. Definitely international films and whatnot. Um, and so it's nice to branch out and have other stories that you can enjoy that are not just our culture that are not just American made. Yeah. Squid and the whale was, uh, Noah Baumbach. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who did marriage story last year. And I have yet to watch marriage story. So I'm looking forward to watching it, even though I just got married. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate fine. to give a spoiler alert, but it's not a real happy marriage. movie. I know I was told not to watch it with my spouse. 
almost. <laughs> <laughs> I I made that mistake. That's probably a good call. Um, yeah, I yeah. Um, like I said before. I mean, I said I would recommend Parasites anybody. Um, you know, I think if you can um, to to paraphrase what uh, Juno Bong said, uh, if you can get over that one inch hurdle of the subtitles. I think this is a movie that everybody can watch and enjoy. I think if you're a movie lover, this is a movie for you. Well, and if you're watching a good movie, you don't notice you're reading. I mean, bottom line, if it's a good mm. movie, you're not even going to realize you're reading the subtitles. Yeah. I kind of feel like this is like the antidote to the normal Hollywood thing in general. Yes. Like it it kind of reminds me, mind me, reminds me both of like... Alfred Hitchcock early films in some cases, uh, like old black and white films where it was more of like a play being converted for the screen as opposed to something that's written directly for the screen. Yeah, like a 12 Angry Men or something like that. Very true. Yeah, Right. So if someone was sitting there griping about all the action movies, well, send them this way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and to answer the question, what movies it made us think of, um, you referenced that you thought from the beginning, okay, I think it was you, Dale, that said this earlier, you think it's going to be about this marriage that's falling apart. You think that's going to be the plot. As soon as the the film started, I thought, okay, so this is like an Iranian Kramer versus Kramer, mm-hmm. which there was a lot more to it than that. Or but not that's where my, my daughter or something like that. Yeah, my mind opened with Kramer versus Kramer, which, you know, going back to early 80s, but that was my first initial thought. Yeah. And like they they did that story in the first scene, that was the yeah, end of the, that was the end of that story. It's yeah, like, but I'm like, oh well, maybe not. Here's the criteria for a divorce. Please sign here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, kind you of at the them. end, it kind of went back to that because it was about a custody issue. But yeah, but they both agreed to let her decide, right? So it wasn't really an issue at all. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's our show. Um, we're going to get a suggestion for next time. And Brooke, it is your turn to choose a movie. What would you like us to watch for next time? So question, criteria-wise, are we just wanting like fiction? Are we wanting documentaries? Does it matter, genre, any of that? Does it have to be recent? No. If I can watch it on a streaming service, it's fair game. Okay, um, I'm gonna go with uh, Dear Zachary. If anybody's seen it, I you're have all seen hate that. Me for it. I have seen that one. Uh, that's a great choice. That. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's that's probably my would be my first pick. Uh, that is on Amazon Prime. Okay, yeah, I I knew it was somewhere because I had watched it a few years ago. Yeah, it's on it's on Prime. Um, you can rent it from many many other places but yeah that's well thanks uh for watching a separation we we did it we (laughs) talked about it (laughs) we will see you on the next episode of the deeply discussing movie podcast